The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Market Talk here today as we are broadcasting live at Commodity Classic 2023 in Orlando, Florida. Very happy to be here on location and thank you for joining us, making us part of your day today here with Market Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And we are broadcasting live with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association today, right inside the trade show door booth, 1603. I feel like I'm on the set of College Game Day. It's an awesome, awesome layout here, and we have a lot to talk about on today's show. We are going to get into the markets coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Ted Seifert with Zaner Ag Hedge, Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. They are both going to join us to talk about the just the risk-off tone that we saw in the markets on Thursday. We'll recap some of the March WASD report, all that and more coming up here later in the show. But we want to focus on corn. As I mentioned, we are with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. Joining me here on the show today, pleased to have with us Sarah McKay, Director of Market Development with NCGA. Sarah, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. And also, Troy Schneider, MDAT Chair, Colorado Farmer. And thank you for being with me as well. Well, Troy. Always a pleasure to be with you. Well, let's dive in. I want to talk ethanol and corn demand, and that's a, a big topic. We are hearing a lot about it, and I think about just today, you know, nearly every gallon of gas in the U.S. contains at least 10% corn-based ethanol. We're looking at E15. We got other options out there on the table in front of us, so let's talk a little bit about ethanol and corn demand and just Let's set the stage. Where do things stand right now? Because I know there's been a lot of items in the news. Troy, do you want to start there first? Well, yeah, the last week or so, there's been uh, the announcement that the EPA would allow year-round E15 in the summer sales of E15. and But they're not going to implement that for certain states until 2024, so a year out. So good news that they're moving in the right direction. Bad news, the timetable is a lot delayed in our mind. And then also, you know, whether you're on the, the production side of ethanol or you're on the petroleum side, the hodgepodge of doing it state by state, we need this across the nation. We need to push for that. Um, the confusion of, well, this state can have it and this state can't. And then the months, it just it's confusion. So, you know, we need to have things going forward in a uniform fashion. So, you know, first thing I'd say is if... E15 is important to you, year-round E15 sales. Get a hold of your congressman. Take, uh, Go to ncga.com. Get on the, the, the legislative update and take action. Send your congressman a, a note that it's important to you to have this year-round, that it's not something we want to push off for a year, that it's the environment needs it now. 
our economy needs it now. So we need to move forward on it. Well, and I think, too, just with all this back and forth, it affects corn demand. You know, how much corn is being used for ethanol? And it just it, it creates some uncertainty out there and questions, I think, amongst our corn growers, amongst our ethanol plants across the country, et cetera, et cetera. It, it really has an effect on the demand side. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's about 30% of our U.S. corn crop is utilized for, for ethanol production. And, you know, more importantly, not only for that that ethanol production, but also for our animal ag customers that really need those uh, distiller's grains and other byproducts that come out of the ethanol production process. Well, and even with, you know, 15 billion gallons produced in 2021, I know there's still more capacity to utilize more corn-based ethanol. And we think about the E15 discussion as well. I, there's there's more room to go, so to speak. And it's, to me, it's why it feels so important to, like you said, contact your congressman. So many different things tied to ethanol and, and just the whole picture that's in front of us right now, Troy. Well, like you said, you know, when you look at the consumption of our national corn crop and about 27% goes to, almost 30% goes to ethanol production. But you also then take back out of that ethanol production, the distiller's grain that goes back into livestock, it, it's just an ongoing, continuous, the numbers can be played one way or another, but the fact is that is a large portion of our crop each year that we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose that production. We want to increase, you know, we've been talking about it, how awesome it is that we can take that kernel of corn, raise it, and, you know, we can make not only feed for our cattle, we can take it to the ethanol plant, make ethanol and make petroleum cleaner and take the byproduct or the distiller's grain out of that ethanol plant, take it back to the feedlot and still have a tasty steak at the end of the day. And that's what it's all about. There's so many uses that come from ethanol and corn, et cetera, et cetera. There's just there's a lot there. And I know, too, you know, we've seen, I believe, some lawsuits going out there, Nebraska and Iowa on E15. That just all ties into this whole picture but at the end of the day the bright side of this is that we've been able to grow the ethanol industry we've been able to grow corn demand and i think that's that's the most exciting thing i look back you know the last 10 15 years that's what really just has me excited to kind of step back pause and look and go wow we've done a lot we still have a long way to go but we've done so many great things so far when it comes to ethanol i think that's amazing and I think the opportunity there, too, to, to use ethanol as a building block for other processes and other uh, chemicals and products that can be made from corn. That's, I think, a really exciting thing, especially for the market development action team. We have a whole action team that focuses just on ethanol. But, you know, we also have a team that then focuses on, OK, what's beyond ethanol or how can we build upon that? And I think it's really exciting, too, to see these ethanol facilities really starting to diversify and having more, um, you know, adopting new fractionation processes and, and ways that they can get the most out of that corn kernel in a way that's beneficial to them as a facility, but also to our growers and to consumers of our corn products and their customers. Well, and to your point with new uses of things, I know we're going to talk about that coming up here in segment two of the show. Real quick, before we head to break, just to wrap up the ethanol discussion, anything else we haven't mentioned that we want folks listening in to really just think about here as we're fighting through some challenges, but also looking at the growth of the ethanol industry? You know, one thing I would have everybody look at is something you said earlier is always look back. We don't think we're making progress. Look at the big picture. Look how far we've come over the years, you know, since night in the early 80s. Keep moving forward. Keep the keep our eye on the prize. 
and let's attain that higher blend. Keep moving it forward. Keep talking to your congressman. Um, you know, there's just so many good things that will come out of that ethanol industry. Jobs, jobs, and jobs. That's what I'm going to say about it. That is a great point, I think, for us to think about moving forward is the jobs, and et cetera, et cetera. We're talking with Troy Schneider, Sarah McKay with the National Corn Growers Association here on Market Talk. We're broadcasting live at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, and really enjoying our time here. We're going to have more coming up here with Sarah and Troy next. We're going to talk about some new uses for corn and some of the things that we can look at here in the future ahead. We are excited about that. Again, we're going to talk markets coming up here on the show as well. A really risk-off day across the trade. Very interesting to watch that with corn, beans, wheat, all of it under pressure. We're going to get into that coming up a little bit later in the show as well. Stick around. More Market Talk live from Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. We'll be back right after this. Today's episode of Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and Grain Member Cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation, this is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And we continue here from Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, as we broadcast live with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association here, booth 1603. And continuing to join me here today, Sarah McKay and Troy Schneider with the National Corn Growers Association. And, you know, before the break in segment one, Sarah, we were talking about ethanol and you mentioned some of the different things, some new things we're thinking about, you know, with ethanol and the growth there of that part of the industry. Let's just talk about new uses in general for corn. What are some things you are excited about as we grow and find new ways to use the corn that we grow across the country? One of the areas that I think is really exciting when we talk about new uses is the type of products that they can go into. And just maybe a quick primer new uses, we're talking things like bio-based plastics, uh, petroleum products that can instead be made from corn or plant-based uh, feedstocks. These are things like um, even down to your, the polyester in your clothing to um, you know the, the PLA in your, your plastic cup or your water bottle or even to some of the masks that we were using you know, during COVID. There's, these are all these different applications for corn-based products into um, your everyday everyday life. So when we look at the new uses space, things that I'm really excited about are things that, you know, especially our Consider Corn Challenge winners have come up with. These are things like bioacrylic acid, for example, and you say, okay, what's that? Think about the, um, the absorbent in, in baby diapers. That's the type of things that we can replace the petroleum-based product with a corn-based one. And even more exciting, not only is it bio-based and made from corn, it usually performs a lot better than the petroleum incumbent. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, too, you know, finding these new uses, part of the role of the Market Development Action Team at NCGA is finding a use for all these different bushels of corn. And, you know, I look at the data. I mean, we think about how much corn was utilized. There was still quite a lot left that could be utilized in, in various ways, Troy. Yeah, you know, that's the whole goal of our team at NCGA is we look at that carryout year after year, and we want to increase bit by bit how we crack that kernel, how we use it. And is there a new way to use that kernel and that we haven't thought about? Because, you know, that 1.4, 1.2 
carry out. If we can keep that number down, that just helps our bottom line. It, it, it reflects back on we're all tied back to the Chicago Board of Trade. It reflects back there to where, you know, um, we're not going to have something like an ethanol that we've seen before. But, you know, I know we've talked about the silver buckshot, silver, silver buckshot. I'd like to say we're not going to have necessarily another home run. But we need to keep moving the, the base runners forward on the baseball field. We need that foul, not the foul ball, but the bunt, the, the base hit to keep moving things forward. And it's the little things. I mean, when you go into market development, when I joined Sarah's team, it was daunting that you sit there and the, the, the science behind it and the information that comes out of these meetings. And it's like, okay, my brain's hurt. There's too much science in this. But that is what it takes is somebody to, you know, how do we crack that kernel more? What's a different way to use it? How do we move forward? You know, and Sarah's got all that information as far as what we're looking at, as far as the new and the, the new and the greatest thing. You know, later on, we'll talk about Consider Corn Challenge. Mm-hmm. We're in Consider Corn Challenge 4, and it's a great contest that promotes people to think about what's the next new idea and how do we grow it. And maybe we've taken an idea from the past and we expand on it. And it just changes because now the technology is different than it was maybe four or five, ten years ago. And now we have the technology to change something that we didn't back then. So. Well, and I think, too, that just, you know, Sarah, NCGA obviously has a vested interest in finding all these new uses for corn. Because at the end of the day, we, we need to find ways to expand what our farmers are growing across this country. That's what it all comes down to. Absolutely. Yeah. Having the more, the opportunity for more diversified homes for yes. our corn-based products and, and not only, um, you know, finding these new, new, new homes and increasing corn grind, it also gets to be a, uh, a matter of increasing the value out of each, you know, corn kernel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the areas that's really exciting too. You know, Troy mentioned new technologies and these fractionation technologies. We, it doesn't have to be a corn for ethanol versus corn for food versus corn for animal feed versus corn for plastic. It gets to be an and statement all across the board, which is really exciting because of these technologies and really helps us get the most value out of that corn kernel, which translates down to our corn grower, but also helps provide a very um, valuable, bio-based, environmentally friendly, and cost-effective product for consumers. It gets to be a win-win-win. Well, I think that's too, that's all part of it, obviously, with just the sustainability aspects and everything else. And how can we do all these things and be good stewards of our environment, but also find that return on investment for our corn growers, et cetera. That's, that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. And also, you know, just thinking about feeding, fueling, and bringing fiber to the world. That is what is so important in my, in my eyes. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, not only are we addressing these sustainability goals, but we're, we're creating value. Trey mentioned in the first segment, you know, the value of jobs and economic development that comes part of this. One of the things we're working on is a, a national incentive for bio-based materials. And some of our biggest advocates as we've been working on this national incentive have been, you know, the um, biotechnology innovation organization, for example, they care about bio manufacturing and economic development, rural development, you know, this really, like I said, it gets to be a win across the board, which is really exciting. You both have mentioned the Consider Corn Challenge, and I want to talk about that here as well. Can you give us just a, a quick background on it? But also we're on number four, as you mentioned, Troy. So what are some of the things going on with Consider Corn Challenge 4? 
Yeah. So to date, we've had about three different, we've had three uh, consider coin challenges and we've had 15 winners across those three challenges. And they do get, you know, prize money as part of being a winner of consider coin challenge, but more valuable. We've, we've heard from them that it's the support of national corn growers. Um, even after that prize, the connections with industries, uh, or industry professionals that can help them scale up their technology. It's the connection with investors, with uh, Department of Agriculture and Department of Energy grants that have helped them really flourish. And what's really exciting in this space is all 15 of these winners are continued, continuing to work towards commercialization. And what that means is they haven't succumbed to this valley of death that we tend to see with any type of startup. What you know, It doesn't have to be an ag startup or a bio-based startup. Um, they're really getting over that development hump um, and working towards commercialization because they were winners of Consider Corn Challenge. So looking ahead into our fourth Consider Corn Challenge, uh, again, open innovation contest, really looking for industrial uses of corn, new uses, novel technologies that use corn as that feedstock, um, mostly in the, in the bio-based applications, whether it's chemicals or packaging or products made from corn um, that can really increase value across the board and um, really looking forward to once again we've got a great lineup of industry judges to help us um, judge the the entries and select them and and even the entries that don't get selected we pass them on to our partners even in other commodity organizations say it's a better fit for soy we toss it over to them yep. or a better fit for wheat or sorghum or whoever um so we try to really work across the board and have had some really great success stories i know another thing too i want to mention before we come to the uh, bottom of the hour here uh, NCGA sponsorship of Digest Data. This is another thing that's yeah. kind of roped into all the different uses and things you guys are doing. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so there's probably 30 different new uses program. We'd be here all day if we <laughs> talked about them all. But one of the ones that have been really successful is this Digest Data. It's out of Biofuels Digest. We recognized early on across the, the what we call the new uses industry, right? There's this gap in facilities uh, to pilot up and really work on this development of their technologies. So this is a database, um, you know, whether you're a researcher at a university or at the Department of Energy or have a really, really great idea. Um, you know, so as an individual, you can log in, look at a type of, look up uh, a pilot facility near you that you can help scale up your technology, get in touch with National Corn, and we'll help be a partner throughout that process. Fantastic. And Troy, real quick, your perspective as a, as a farmer, as a corn grower, all these different new uses and things that we are, are doing and, and building upon, what, what are your thoughts here just to kind of bookend this all together? To, to put it all together, we're sitting here at the National Corn Growers booth on the trade show floor, and we've got the banners of the the yield contest winners up above us and you're we're looking at these yields of 336 357 these people that have won these contests and all of our producers are working hard each day to increase their productivity we have people out there industry partners that are working hard to figure out how to grind that corn and make new uses out of it so it's ncga's role market development especially where we bring that together where we're trying to make sure that those producers out there know that there's somebody trying and working hard to make sure that there's an increased demand for their product. That is a fantastic point for us to wrap up this segment on. I know you two will both be back with us here later in the show. Sarah McKay, Troy Schneider, we appreciate you being with us, and we'll have you back on here in just a little bit. Coming up next, we are going to talk markets. Uh, the show is called Market Talk, after all. We're going to bring in uh, two of our good friends here to the show. They are here live with us in Orlando. Matt Bennett of AgMarket.net. Ted Seifert of Zaner AgHedge. They will be in the hot seat. We're going to talk the market trade. Coming up next here as we continue live from Commodity Classic with the National Pork Growers Association. Back with more Market Talk on the way right after this.
Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and grain member cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation, this is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And we continue here live from Orlando, Florida, Commodity Classic 2023 with the National Cord Growers Association. Thank you for joining us here on Market Talk today. Markets on Thursday were a little rough. Uh, we had mostly kind of a risk-off day. just felt like the path of least resistance to the downside. Here to talk about markets with us, we say hello, bring in our good friends, Matt Bennett, agmarket.net. Matt, always good to see you in person, sir. I hope you're doing well. Good to see you, too. I'm doing great. And it's Ted Seifred, Zaner Ag Hedge, sitting in with us as well, complete with his corn hat. <laughs> Had to have it since we're with the corn growers, right, Ted? Absolutely. I mean, corn grower booth, corn hat, it, it had to happen. So well, here we are. I appreciate both. Plus, I, I got to outdo this guy because he's normally in his vest. That's his signature move. <laughs> I've got my Jordans, but we're behind this booth, so you can't see them. So, so I had to do the corn hat. You know, I got to stand out of the crowd. I'm definitely yeah. out of character today. Yeah. Eh, you know what? It's okay. A little bit out of character. It's Orlando. It, we're supposed to have a little bit of fun, right? Absolutely. I think. Well, let's let's talk markets, and I, I want to talk just this corn market to start. And we've seen a rough day today in the markets. I think about the WASDI report we saw on Wednesday. Some curious moves made in that report. And I know you two were talking a little bit on Twitter, so I'm just going to start there with your discussion what is going on? What is USDA's methodology here? Are we seeing demand destruction? Are we not? What do you guys think is going on with regards to this corn market and where some of these USDA numbers are sitting right now? You know, I, I posted something that Ted responded to us. I'll just start there. And basically, I just said, you know what? We dropped 68 and a half million metric tons in world corn production year on year. If you look at the carryout on the world balance sheet, it's less than a 10 million drop. Okay, and so the interesting part of that, of course, we know high prices cure high prices. You know, it was very interesting, though, to see that small of a reduction in carryout. And USDA is betting pretty, pretty strongly on uh, large demand destruction. Now, it, it, are they going to be 100 percent correct? Probably not. I mean, this is all moving targets type thing. But, you know, one thing, in my opinion, that was very interesting is you cut Argentine corn exports. Uh, pretty significant. I believe 7 million tons. It was 6 or 7 million yeah, tons. Seven. But obviously production went down there. By 7 million. And, right. And then you also saw the U.S. Uh, lose 75 million in exports. Now, Correct. If you, if you didn't have such a large adjustment with Argentina, I was thinking we could see a 50 million uh, adjustment. I was surprised USDA did 75 for U.S. exports and the Argentine. Yeah. But I'm not saying it won't come to pass. I'm just saying those that was an interesting combination. It's, it's, an, it's something of an unprecedented combination because you don't usually see the USDA cut exports from another major exporter, uh, what, number four in the world, yep. and then also cut exports from the U.S. 
usually you you expect to see that 7 million metric ton cut and then in addition to the US exports because we call it demand displacement. But what the USDA was saying on this report, it very loudly and I'm not going to say clearly because you really had to kind of dig between the global numbers to, to figure it out. But the USA is saying very loudly, they see demand destruction. And, and they've put global demand lower on each report in the last nine WASDI reports. So this is not just a, a, a rip the Band-Aid off, one-off event. This has been a trend. And that trend hasn't stopped yet. So, you know, for the last couple of years, we've really focused on the supply side. Like, okay, you know, global stocks are, are tight. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Uh, what we haven't really focused on, Jesse and Matt, is the demand side of the equation. And I think the USDA is trying to get the market to maybe look at that side of it and say, hey, yes, uh, we've had our, our production issues in various places, the tail end of the US uh, growing season, our, obviously right now is Argentina, but demand's fallen pretty dramatically as well. And you're looking at a global carryover number that actually went higher on this report. And is it a very comfortable 296.43 million metric tons? Yeah. So. I think, I don't know about you, Matt, but I have a really hard time justifying corn prices being where they're at because in the price range that we're at, it's 630 to 680s where we've been for the last, I mean, we broke that today, but yeah, these are price rationing numbers. But when you have nine reports in a row showing global demand coming down, that price rationing is happening. At some point, you have to readjust price to a level where you stop price rationing and maybe at some point start to encourage that demand again. This is a long, longer process. It will take some time, but I think, I think the market is just now realizing that, okay, we don't need to price ration anymore. If anything, we need to like try to stop losing the demand. Yeah, Matt, you're, what do you think on that? Yeah, and so basically I agree. So you, you've lost demand, there's no doubt. I don't know that we've lost as much as been suggested. It's hard to know, okay? Whenever you look at, Minus the U.S., total world demand for corn over the last 30 years. If you don't include the U.S., we have not seen world demand for corn actually go down one time if you extract the U.S., which is a pretty impressive thing. Yeah. I'm not saying it won't happen here. I think it will. We've also not had corn prices at historically high end of the range for multiple years in a row. I mean, that you, you said it, and, and I actually saw something on Twitter where you said it in a little bit of a different way. What is the cure for high prices is... No, that is what it should be. Right. Super high prices, high, high prices. prices. But you said something else on Twitter. I'll have to go well, out and see what it what is. What I'm yeah. getting at is this. Yes, we've lost some demand. So you know, Ted, Naomi, and I were all together up in South Dakota here not too long ago. We all agreed we were too high, both on old crop and new crop. Mm -hmm. uh, and so here's the thing. When you lose demand, Fist bottom line is this. <laughs> now you're in the hope strategy. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I hope someone's going to have a weather issue. Yep. If someone has a weather issue, then yeah, maybe we're able to eke another year out of this thing. But yep. if you look, for instance, at 2008 and you look at 2012 and you look at 2022, those three years uh, leading into those rallies was fairly similar chart type action. Sure. Coming out of those, if 23 follows suit with 13 and with 2009, we're going to be pretty upset that we sat on our hands for so long. Sure. Because if you don't get a weather issue, then, then you're going to have major problems. So to that point we talk about this all the time on the show i talk about this with both of you the risk management side of this to me it feels like that if i'm not protecting 
at least you know what I have on the board in front of me right now. I think these close these corn five fifty three and a half to close on Thursday. If I'm not protecting that, I, what am I doing? Like I, to me, it just feels like there's got to be there's got to be risk management involved here and take some of the pride off the table maybe and make sure you protect yourself before something happens in this market it's market psychology though jesse right i mean we went for two years where we were utterly sideways and that builds complacency guys feel like hey we're just always going to be at these prices i don't have to aggressively market because i'll be fine come harvest prices will still be high maybe i'll pick away at it a little bit you know throughout the marketing year uh, but guys haven't gotten hurt by being complacent and then you have a move like this which kind of i mean for some people comes out of blue like you said i mean we we called it dead on right before this happened when we were sitting in south dakota props for that buddy yep. but then this happens and then i say okay well there's got to be a bounce and when i get that bounce then i'm gonna sell but then you don't get the bounce and now we're stuck mm -hmm. chasing it there was a lot of corn bushels that move old crop corn bushels moved today in a in a big big way yep. more so than we've seen in in last few months i think that was pretty evident basis. with the spread action yep. honestly for sure absolutely yeah so guys aren't selling when we're sideways guys aren't selling when we're rallying they're selling on the way down so if you look and you say oh wow corn's down 14 cents today i can't i can't bear selling oh and by the way basis is dropping at the same time in a lot of areas yep. what does that tell you lower lower board lower basis that's full-on panic time you know yeah again you've been complacent Okay, fine. I get it. It's market psychology. But now is not the time to be complacent. There are a lot of things to do. And we yeah. talk about the synthetic puts. We, we, we had a fun time with that in, yeah. in South Dakota. And what I mean by synthetic puts, you sell cash because that is yep. also a futures position, whatever. Sell, selling cash, that's a short position. And then you buy a call in case we do get that weather rally and maybe you can mm -hmm. add some, some to that sale that you, you already previously made. That's a synthetic put. It's it's the same idea as owning a put. I, I like that strategy. Uh, puts have gotten a lot more expensive yeah. now, right? Yeah. So, but use that to your advantage because the skew is gone to puts versus calls. Calls are now getting cheap. Mm -hmm. So, if you sell the cash, you have that opportunity to come in and reown the calls in case there is a weather issue. Yep. I mean, there's never any excuse not to sell, even though maybe we're down 14 cents in a day. Guys say, "I'm going to wait for a nine cent bounce tomorrow." Well, what if it doesn't come? Right, Matt. I'll give you the final minute there to respond or add to Ted what he what he had to say there. Yeah, I mean, essentially, what's happened is is uh, 2020. If you sat on your hands and did nothing, uh, you were rewarded. You had a ratio event. China stepped in and bought corn. 2021, uh, same thing. One thing that really screwed us up for the 2022 crops: people bought fertilizer before you harvested in 21. And you were re rewarded with this huge rally. Then a lot of people bought mm -hmm. fertilizer before the 22 crop, uh, the 22 harvest thinking, you know what, my 23 inputs, I'm going to I'm gonna beat the band again, right? Well, the problem is now the market has reversed. And if you bought high-priced inputs and didn't sell high-priced corn, this could be a rough go. So if you sit here on your hands still 550 with the assumption, oh, it's going back to six, uh, I'm sorry, but you're going to need some help to get there. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned here. I do feel like most of our folks have been fairly aggressive. We're 70%, 70% protected. Yeah, I like it. I really like that. And I, I it's a good place to be right now. And then we're going to step into my calls, just like he was talking about. He calls it a synthetic put. I call it like a, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, insulated. Yeah, we're, insulated. That's what I yeah. like. We're, we're up against the clock. Guys. I know you are. I know. It's yeah. the next shoe. To, I know we're at the corn proof, but the next shoe to drop is soybeans, right? You, yep. you look at how. Sure. Uh,
8 million metric ton reduction in Argentina's production, but only a 2 million metric ton reduction in the crush. He was overvalued. Watch out for turkeys. Ted Seifert, Zayner, Ag Edge, Matt Bennett, AgMarket.net. Thank you both for joining yep, me here absolutely. at Market Talk today at Commodity Classic. We appreciate it, guys. Yep. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk right after this. Today's episode of Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and Grain Member Cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And thank you for sticking with us here today on Market Talk as we are back at the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. Booth 1603 really having a, a great day here, enjoying day one of the trade show. Going to be back here tomorrow as well. Joining us once again, Sarah McKay, Troy Schneider with the National Corn Growers Association. And uh, I thank you both for sticking around. One topic that I wanted to talk about here on the show and just kind of bring in because I think this is going to be a very big piece of the market puzzle and more moving forward is sustainable aviation fuel. And just to start, Sarah, can you kind of walk us through what SAF is, what we're looking at here as we start to think about and produce sustainable aviation fuel? Yeah, thanks, Jesse. So Sustainable Aviation Fuel, SAF or SAF, you may hear, hear it called, um, either of those three, um, is really the, essentially jet fuel, but made from bio-based uh, feedstocks. So you may hear about sources from municipal waste, from um, from corn stover, from corn, um, you know, echo-hull to jet. And it knows one pathway that we can leverage the ethanol pathway, or you can use corn oil. Similarly, there's obviously demand for soybean oil in this space. So there's a lot of different pathways and feedstocks that can be used for sustainable aviation fuel um, and really a huge opportunity we've seen, um, especially the last couple of years, a lot of commitments from major airlines to um, have 100 percent, you know, aviation fuel, sustainable aviation fuel and jet fuel um, by 2050, for example. And then there's been a huge support from the, the current administration around this um SAF Grand Challenge, which essentially requests that 10% of the aviation fuel in the United States um, be sustainable aviation fuel by 2030. So we've seen a ton of push around um, around sustainable aviation fuel, and it truly is one of those market opportunities that's going to take a variety of feedstocks uh, to reach those goals. And we're definitely working on corn through the alcohol to jet and obviously corn oil pathways. Well, and I think about the growth that is expected in aviation and air travel and how many passengers we could see flying by the year 2050, you know, and beyond. And just reducing that carbon footprint, I think, is so important. If we're going to be flying more jets and we're going to be having more travel, it goes back to the whole discussion about reducing the carbon footprint. And I think that is a key space where this sustainable aviation fuel boom, so to speak, could really be key to the corn industry as a whole, I think. Absolutely. And about a year ago, I would say, you know, this was something we, the Market Development Action Team commissioned a study to really look at SAF and the market opportunity there. And we didn't really see a lot of ag players in that yeah. space. And fast forward to a year now, we've got great partnerships with, um, you know, companies like Southwest and United and Jivo. And, uh, you know, Jivo is a company that they're scaling up that technology kind of right in Troy's backyard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Troy, your perspective on sustainable aviation fuel, and as we've talked a lot about uses for corn and new uses, and this is just another one that I think could be another piece of that puzzle 
as we grow what we use the corn we grow for. It could be a huge piece of that puzzle for the simple reason. With ethanol, we had to fight for every step of gain. With this market, we have a customer right now that wants, they know where they want to go. They know how many gallons they need. Can they make it all out of one thing? Probably not. They're, they're going to have to have a collaboration of products. But ethanol will be one of those products. Ethanol's aviation fuel will be one of those products that they can use to help meet their goals. And, you know, to all the listeners out there that would say, eh, you know, can we raise enough corn? Yeah, we've had this discussion before. Challenges as farmers, we're going to produce. And now we have to build up the capacity, and that's one thing. We can do that as far as the capacity to refine it. But how cool is it going to be to get on an airplane someday and know that it's corn, it's a corn product that is fueling that plane that's getting you from point A to point B, and it's better for the environment. It's lowering that carbon emission, changing the score that we're, we all have on what we're doing around the world as we travel. So I think it's huge there that it, it'll be a, an opportunity that's in front of us. It's new. We're all learning. Mm-hmm. Um, we're having conversations with Southwest Airlines, and there are things that they are learning about how they make ethanol, whether they make it from a grain ethanol, whether they make it from a, a different form. And it's all about the conversation and moving the needle forward because there's things that they don't know logistic wise what goes on out at the farm and so we've got to share with them our experience as to what's going on what's you know what gets them the most bang for their buck when it comes to producing a sustainable fuel product and that ethanol leads the way right there well a couple minutes here before we run out of time on the show today just to kind of wrap up sustainable aviation fuel any final thoughts anything you want to make sure we touch on that that folks listening at home just they need to know and and hopefully try to understand about the growth here in this side of the industry you know i think troy hit on an important point about some of the challenges and you know sustainable aviation fuel especially if you want to utilize uh corn as a feedstock for those processes and you know if if i'm sure your listeners are 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 like us you know and chomping at the bit like how come we aren't already doing this and what what are the challenges and it really comes down to uh policy right policies have to be in place Mm -hmm. um you know there's a essay of tax credit for example and and other um you know barriers that we can really work to to overcome through good policy um so policy is a challenge price is always going to be a challenge um that's why you know working with great companies like jivo and Virant and others that are really working um, aggressively in the space to make the processes more economical and efficient are really important and then um you know really other than the education piece you know it's really important to, to have that scale up help these companies um, get to the to the capability and size that they need to produce what's needed because this is a huge opportunity if we can can capitalize on it. Very very fantastic stuff that we are watching and, and learning about and seeing grow uh, throughout the corn industry throughout agriculture. I want to thank both of you for joining me here today. This has been a lot of fun. Always good to be in or you know in Orlando and Florida and enjoying the nice weather and great company amongst uh, folks throughout the agriculture industry. Sarah McKay. Troy Schneider, both with the National Corn Growers Association. Thanks so much for both of you, and we appreciate the time today. Thank Thank you very much. And that is going to do it for Market Talk. Join us tomorrow. We'll be back here with the National Corn Growers Association, booth 1603 live at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks so much for joining us here for Market Talk. We will chat with you tomorrow.
Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.